Welcome to the Ars Equi Podcast, a series of discussions between legal researchers and experts on all things related to law and technology. And now, here are your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Tima, and welcome to another episode of the Ars Equi Podcast. As you know, we are currently in our series about internet pornography and the law, and yeah, we're really excited that you decided to join us for another episode. Yes, so this episode will be on a new platform that is called OnlyFans, which has made the rounds since a coronavirus broke out and people started really using it. So what is essentially uh, a good summary that I read while researching this was uh, just Instagram, just more naked, <laughs> which uh, I think is a good summary because yeah. it allows everyday people non-professionals to share their pornographic content online to their what they call fans uh, which then pay a monthly subscription uh, to access this content right so essentially OnlyFans was founded in 2016 and back then it wasn't really a thing i mean it was a thing but it was mostly for sex workers and people who were mm. in the professional porn industry right mm. and then um coronavirus hits and a lot of people were out of jobs people were at home so in april only fans reported a 75 percent increase mm. in the number of model signups so content creators mm -hmm. signing up onto the platform and a lot of these people were everyday people who a lot of them lost their jobs and thought this was going to be a way for them to make more money or just people getting involved in the platform and knowing about it so it really blew up and it became this whole thing beyonce mentioned it in a song and we were all involved so now we all know about, <laughs> about yeah even their company value skyrocketed it's almost one billion dollars now really look at that look at what a little virus can do <laughs> um so yeah so we thought it would be really interesting to discuss this new um sex platform this new pornographic platform and look into the legal implications of this so when i was researching i saw an article by the new york times which was entitled how only fans has changed sex work forever only fans has put x-rated entertainment in the hands of the entertainer so essentially that's what it is right mm -hmm. um now everyday people are able to post their pornographic content get money from, from directly from their fans through that content. We've essentially taken out the need for the middleman, the production company, mm -hmm. all of those things are gone. And now it's just basically, well, you would think they're gone, but we'll kind of show you later on how OnlyFans is now the middleman. But yeah, so essentially it's just you post your content, you get your money, and the, the porn industry is shifting, according to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So what we want to look now is the legal issues that come from this. Uh, and there are a lot. What we want to talk about first is what you kind of hinted at, the middleman OnlyFans. So how OnlyFans has become the middleman. Uh, and this is why we looked at the terms and conditions of OnlyFans, which uh, essentially lay down the rules, the contract that you enter in when you sign up for the website, either as a creator or as a fan. And this, uh, so the basic contract essentially is that uh, OnlyFans provides a platform and acts as an agent of the creator who uh, concludes a contract with the fan. So the fan agrees to pay a certain 
price uh, as a subscription, which the creator can set however they want. They transfer the money to OnlyFans. OnlyFans takes a 20% cut and the creator gets 80% of, of this revenue. Right. So essentially, as a content creator, from the perspective of the contract that you enter into, you receive a license from OnlyFans to use their platform, which they can mm -hmm. revoke at any time. That's clearly stated in mm -hmm. the terms and conditions, right? So you consent that the confidentiality of your pornographic content, of your body, is no longer ap applicable once you put your images onto the website, which can become problematic in, later on. And we'll talk about that probably in the next episode when we talk about actions that you have to take to get pornographic content removed. And then you essentially provide OnlyFans or their parent company, which is Phoenix International Limited, with the right to use, reproduce, modify, perform, display, distribute, and otherwise disclose to third parties your content. However, the company does say that they will not sell your content, but you do give them the right to use your content in other ways. So that's what you enter into with the contract as a content creator. Uh, and on the other side, as a fan, you agree to, to you, you have the possibility to use the content, to access this content for as long as you pay. So this is not uh, buying content and bu paying for an individual picture or video or whatever, but rather uh, a subscription like your Netflix subscription, for mm -hmm. example, for as long as you pay, you have access to the full content. And after you stop paying, you don't have access anymore. And I think it's also important that you say Netflix because the way it's different from Netflix is on Netflix, you pay a subscription and then you can you have access to all the movies that Netflix has. OnlyFans is different in the sense that you pay a subscription to, to the content creator whose content you want to view from my understanding, right? Mm -hmm. So you so you pay, say I want to view Creator X's content and Creator Y's content. I pay a subscription to Creator X, maybe, I don't know, 10 euros a month mm -hmm. and to Creator Y, maybe five euros a month. Mm -hmm. So paying the subscription doesn't mean I get to see everything that OnlyFans has to offer. I only get to see who I pay for. That's true. And even OnlyFans emphasizes in their terms and conditions that they are not part of this contract. So you are concluding a contract with the creator, sort of between fan and creator, uh, and not with OnlyFans. Right. They are just acting as the agent of the creator. They are taking the money and transferring it to the creator, but they are not obligated to provide any content. Exactly. So if the creators tomorrow decide I'm no longer posting content, you cannot then go and sue OnlyFans for your right to that content because they are not, you know, they're not involved. Or if the, or if the creator decides this month not to post anything, mm -hmm. the only rights that you have as a user is to end your subscription with that creator and move on to another creator. But you can't kind of sue OnlyFans for your right to view someone's content. So this is the kind of contractual framework that you agree to when you sign up for the platform. But there is another tick mark that you have to check uh, if you sign up for any website, really, but also for this one, which is the privacy policy. Right. So this is another document that no one ever reads. Mm -hmm. And we encourage you guys to take that time. You should see Paul's face right now. <laughs> He's like, yeah, guys, um, take the time and read the, these documents because they're really, really important. And they really kind of determine how much control this platform has over your data. Yeah, so what the privacy policy contains is essentially the data that the platform has of you and processes of you. 
uh, and for what reasons and what rights you have as a user to object against this when you don't agree with it. Exactly. So I think we will first start with telling you what types of data OnlyFans collects. And it's quite a lot of data, right? So firstly, they collect verification data. So when you sign up for the platform, of course, the platform is only available to people over the age of 18. So you have to provide them with your name and an identity document that contains information proving that you're over the age of 18. So that information is then processed by a third-party verifying company, which they don't mention in their privacy policy. So we're not really sure what verifying company they use, but they definitely collect and process that data, which is very sensitive data, of course. Obviously, they are also processing the content information. So this is also personal data. This is, for example, the images and videos that are posted by the creators, but also how fans view the content. So essentially, everything you are doing on the platform, how you use the platform is being tracked and is being processed by OnlyFans. Exactly. And then they also collect financial data. So of course, OnlyFans is a platform where financial transactions take place, right? So um, users pay subscription, the money goes to, to content creators. So there's a lot of financial exchange going on so they collect all your financial information including your credit card information your bank details all of that stuff is collected processed and stored and also transmitted to a third party which again they don't name exactly and then they collect device information so like your ip data information about the device that you use and interestingly enough they collect your location data yeah, that is the one that really shocked me, honestly, because, uh, well, they are tracking you every time you're using the website. They are saying that you have to consent for more precise information, but the more general location is being tracked regardless of your consent. Right. So it's a lot of data that you're giving to OnlyFans. And if you use OnlyFans as a content creator and you provide them with explicit images and videos of yourself, you're giving them even more data. So really, it's important to be mindful of the kind, the amount of data that you're sharing and to understand what kind of the implications of this are, right? So what do they claim that is the legal basis of this? Why do they have to collect so much data so they the, okay firstly the privacy policy is not very detailed mm -hmm. so it's very vague but they do say that the legal grounds are the fulfillment of a legal contract which is the terms of use which all users and all people who use the platform consent to or enter into some sort of contractual relationship with only fans and then also in light of this they are um, processing your personal data as a legal obligation to what was the reason why is it so essentially to comply with other laws for monitoring obligations yes. and like fight against child pornography and so on. and things like that and financial obligations so they also share your information of course with your fans not your information but your content with your fans they share your content with other users um, and then they share your more personal data so like your id your bank details with third-party service providers and speaking of sharing of data what you also consent to according to this privacy policy and which is also illegal is you consent to the transfer to third countries so for example to uh so countries outside of the eu which might have a lower data protection standard than the European Union, which normally isn't allowed. Exactly. So that's a direct infringement. And we've seen that a lot. We saw that in 
Pornhub's um, mm-hmm. data private data policy. We've seen it now on OnlyFans. So I think people need to be very cautious of the fact that your data is being transferred outside of your country, outside of your jurisdiction, and you don't know the kind of legal um, restraints that are placed in these other countries where your data is being sent. Yeah, I mean, there are other weirdnesses in the privacy policies too. For example, in every privacy policy, you have to be informed of your rights you have against uh, the data controller. So if you don't agree with the data processing, you can have certain passive recourse. Uh, there they just say, they, ha- they put a paragraph there that says, this paragraph satisfies the provisions of Article 13 to B and C. Which is the most irritating part of of this privacy policy. Yeah, they just tell you that they would have an obligation to tell you about your rights, but they don't tell you about your rights. Right, and then it's kind of like they place the obligation on you, an obligation that's placed on them. They shift the obligation onto you and say, you need to go and find the GDPR and you need to go look up these articles and you need to know what your rights are. Whereas the GDPR actually requires the data controller to tell you what your rights are in the privacy policy and to tell you all of your rights of recourse, all the things that you can do if you're unhappy with the way in which your data is processed. And I feel like they kind of skirt that liability and uh, yeah, it's irritating. <laughs> yeah, and, and you as a user have to actually read the GDPR, which probably not a lot of people will do. But you should. <laughs> So you're giving up a lot of your personal information in the privacy policies. You're giving up certain rights to your content. Uh, This all wouldn't be so bad if this company wasn't more or less the only one around, right? Exactly. So what we see with OnlyFans is something that we also have seen and still see with similar companies, for example, YouTube and but also Uber, that people who are working with these companies, for these companies, uh, don't really have a choice of going to a competitor, are making a living on this platform, but on the other hand, don't have the rights and protections that come, for example, with labor law. Exactly. So we've seen in many jurisdictions, courts have been de- de- deciding that Uber drivers are in fact employees of Uber and not independent contractors. And based on that, Uber owes them a certain level of obligation. Uber owes them a certain level of certainty about the platform and certain level of labor law rights, right? So same thing is exactly what Paul is saying. The same thing could be said about OnlyFans because a lot of creators, this is their means of income. They are dependent on OnlyFans, especially in the context of a pandemic, where this is where people were really making money. I mean, 75% increase in growth. However, the company itself is growing and becoming this billion-dollar company, but they're not essentially giving anything back to the consume, to their creator who, who makes the platform what it is. And they're also taking 20% of what you of what you make and they have a right to revoke your account at any time. Yeah, so there have been reports recently, on, especially on Twitter, but on social media in general, that OnlyFans is revoking the access to your account and also withholding pay. So the couple of thousand dollars in some cases uh, that were in your OnlyFans accounts is essentially lost because they've just taken it without any record at least only fans say that you don't have any recourse against that right so it's a difficult position to be in as a 
I mean, whether you agree with posting pornographic content online or not, I think you have to still empathize with people who are in a position where this is their means of livelihood, but then you have a massive monopoly and a massive company that doesn't really respect that so much. Yeah, and normally when you're self-employed, for example, you can choose your provider, how you want to market your content, how you want to upload it, how you want to interact with your fans. On the other hand, if you're employed by someone, you have the protections, for example, against withholding pay or undue termination um, or liability towards your employer or third parties. Uh, Both of these protections don't apply because on the one hand, you're dependent on the platform. On the other hand, you're You're not not protected. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it, it, it's, it's a difficult situation and it, it gets even more kind of questionable when you think about the fact that the majority of people posting on this platform are posting extremely sensitive content, um, extremely potentially harmful content, mm-hmm. um, content that should be protected, content that's really private and intimate. And it's difficult when you're putting that kind of content out there, but you know that at any point that the means to do that could be taken away from you. And you don't really have much protection of your data, even as you're doing that. Plus, as you said, that this data is something, this content is something that should be protected well. But we've seen recently that this isn't the case. So there have been data breaches, right? Right. So OnlyFans has had a lot of issues with data security. And I found it really interesting that in their privacy policy, there isn't any mention of data security anywhere. Um, But so in March of this year, OnlyFans faced a data, what they call a data leak. Mm -hmm. Um, In March of this year, there was a massive data leak with about four terabytes of pornographic Mm. content was leaked and people's names were attached to the pornographic content. And this was posted, I guess, and shared on Twitter And yeah, it was a massive problem for a lot of content creators. And OnlyFans responded saying that this was a data leak and not a data breach. So they said that their software was not breached, but rather it was individuals who were kind of, I guess, disseminating individuals' content. Which is the definition of a data breach. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else we can explain it, but that that's a data breach. So it it was a difficult. It's a difficult time, and there were a lot of content creators on OnlyFans speaking out about it. Um, There's also a case, an Australian case, about a 21 year old woman whose information was leaked from OnlyFans, and her situation was quite intense because it wasn't just her real name that was leaked. Her age was leaked. Her phone number. Um, all the location data around her was also leaked and pornographic images of her were leaked in a fake prostitution advert. Yeah, so you really see why this is an issue and why data protection is important and data security is important. Now, another point uh, going back to this gig economy and and monopoly uh, question is that... I forgot the thing... (laughs) Point, actually. Did you forget your point? Yeah, I totally did. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. So well, weird. I'm going to talk more about data security then while Paul thinks about his points. Um, I think it was interesting for me to see that um, OnlyFans is 
prohibiting people from taking screenshots or like screen recordings of content, right? So they say that they are taking a stand against content piracy and they basically say in a statement that content piracy is very serious to them and they have a designated team that issues formal takedown notices against reported copyright violations. So apparently if you have an iOS or an Android device and you try to take a screenshot or something, the screen goes black and then OnlyFans is notified that you attempted to steal content. So I think that's a good thing that they're doing mm -hmm. that, but they definitely still have a ways to go with data protection and Plus, data security. You can't really say that they are locking down their platform and this screenshot prohibition is, is one kind of this because, for example, they're forcing their content creators to, uh, or they, they are prohibiting their content creators to pr promote their other platforms, for example, their social media platforms on OnlyFans. Plus, they are only allowing you to link to your personal OnlyFans page under certain circumstances and only when they agree to it with mm. certain features on the website. Without their agreement, you can only link to the homepage of OnlyFans, but not to your personal page. So they're really trying to, to take control of their creators. Yeah, which is which also goes back to exactly what we were talking about, about how much control this platform mm -hmm. actually is having over people who are relying on them to make money. So it's a diff it's really difficult. And I think people need to be quite wary of what they're getting involved in and the type of control that you're giving a platform when you enter into this kind of contract. I know it doesn't feel like a contract because all you do is download an app, put in your email address, click a button, and then you're in. But you essentially entering into a contract with a platform that's going to have access to massive amounts of your data, a lot of it very sensitive. And I think you need to make that decision very consciously when you do so. I think that was a nice conclusion. Uh, so be wary of uh, online platforms in general, but this one in particular. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the RCQ podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you. thank you for listening to this episode of the Ars Equi podcast. Check out our other podcast, Ars Boni, brought to you by the Department of Innovation and Digitalization in Law. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave your comments down below. Thank you again and join us next time on the Ars Equi podcast.